what we consider our best guest ever from Podcast Guest Academy, from Podcast Editor Academy, and of course, where we met here in pod, at Podcast Atlanta. Would you please welcome Mr. Mark Deal? What's up, Mark? You know, I should say that, you know, I'm such a snooty guest. I don't come on every show, but you named this after me, Dealcast. I'm, I'm a podcaster with the last name Deal, so... Thank you for for naming the show after me because that's why you did it, right? Named it to, to get me on. You're like eventually we will have Mark Deal on, and now you have made that that two inch step, which is not really a big step at all. So honestly, I'm just excited to be here. Thank you so much, guys, for the invite. Man, thank you. And yeah, you're right. So now we can quit, Jim. We're done. We're done with the show, ladies and gentlemen. It's been real, but this is really all we've wanted to do is have Mark Deal on Dealcasters. Um, and so Mark, you'll just take the show from here, right? I mean, it's your show at this point. Sure. You won't need to ask me any questions at all because no one, <laughs> no one really likes conversations. They, they don't want to hear us talk. They want to hear a monologue for, for 30 minutes. No, 60 no minutes, I mean, honest. you could just take Dealcasters live. Jim and I are just going to quit all together. And from here on, on Amazon live, it'll no longer be Jim and Chris. It'll just be Mark Dealcasters. Does that work? <laughs> I, I don't know. I know your attorney because I believe they're also my attorney and I don't want to be on that side of that person that I won't name. So no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> oh man. So um, it, the reason why I put, and for those of you who are watching um, and, and listening now, um, the reason why I put the best guest ever is that Mark, you have worked with many podcast guests or perspective guests and podcasters. And as we all know, um, that's one of the inherent things with a lot of podcasters is not just a solo. You want to get guests. You want to do interviews. You want to get... Because that's more content for your platform, like we're doing right now, right? So um, I guess maybe just tell us a little bit about Podcast Guest Academy and and how you've worked with uh, with podcasters and working on their interview skills and and how that's maybe translated now in the pandemic and doing things uh, in terms of virtual uh, engagement as well. Yeah, certainly. Thank you, Chris. Uh, I started Podcast Guest Academy from my role as a podcast director working with law firms. I would have very knowledgeable attorneys, knowledgeable professors, and people that can talk uh, for like 30, 60 minutes, three hours at a time, like I was joking about earlier, because no one really likes that. And it was a challenge for me as not just a podcast producer and editor, but a director directing the conversation, basically saying, cut. All right, let's back up. This is going on way too long. We need a transition in here. And from that, I developed a, a set of skills. And it, I don't want to sound like I'm quoting a movie, a guy on a phone that has a certain set of skills that, that makes me particularly dangerous. But honestly, I, I, I took and boiled down some of the, the techniques and tactics that I was teaching people that were coming on the shows I was working on and showing other people how to do that. So not just how to find the best podcast for them and their message, or how to reach out in a way that actually gets booked, because Jim, Chris, I know you probably have received more than your fair share of guest outreaches, like, hey, I want to be on, on your show. Big thing about them. But I focus a lot on how to perform those interviews well, and then leverage them on their book, brand, or business. What what That's do you think sometimes, Mark, is the the biggest challenge for for people when it comes to the whole idea? Like maybe they don't have a a podcast of their own and they want to be a guest. Do you think it's the 
they're just maybe they're afraid to ask or they don't really like look at like does this show make sense for me to even approach i mean what do you think is one of the challenges there i think starting out it's equipment and as you know and as regular viewers and listeners of this show know the the equipment isn't tough and now the equipment is easily available with a couple of clicks it shows up at your door within a couple of days i mean that was unheard of back in the day so that bar doesn't exist anymore but some people build it up in their mind like they need to 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 go out and go shopping for 3 days and pay $300 or more for all this stuff and and possibly they're going to get the wrong thing because they just listen to a salesperson vice reading reviews from people like them. We we know that that's not the case. So I don't think it's the equipment anymore. Uh, I think it, part of it is how to reach out in a way that actually makes a solid connection and then how to perform those interviews well. I mean, how long should somebody spend answering a question before they get to a point? If you have three points or five points, do you really have a point at all? And if you get stuck somewhere in a in a podcast interview, you know, how do you help the host pull it off the rails? Do you use an analogy? Do you use a quote? How do you find those things? How do you source those things? How do you have them ready uh, for the interview in case you need them? And I think setting up those safety nets for people make it easier for them to reach out and get booked on shows as well as have the best interview that that podcaster, that podcast host has ever had. So when they think about Ah, uh, who was the best guest that I ever had on? Like, well, I, I had Obama on, I had Trump on, but you know, Mark Deal was pretty good. He was yeah, the best guest. he was the best, right? That's what I want for me. That's what I want for for everybody I work with. Like, wow, it wasn't so much the big name, but it was somebody that really delivered a good show. Do you work with with people who just want to be guests exclusively, or both podcasters who also want to be guests on other people's shows? Is it is it yes or is it is it mostly one or the other? Well, it's a different set of skills, Chris. And I found that a lot of podcasters, people that are hosts, people that are used to controlling the flow of the interview, they may think they make great guests. And that might be true because they have the hardware. So the, the microphones and everything is, is out. But controlling and pacing the side of uh, the the guest side of the interview and the conversation is a different skill altogether. And some podcasters and even some guests, quite honestly, either side of the mic, they feel like it's a race. Like I want to get there first. I want to show that I know more than the other person. Like, no, it's it's really a, a, a three person uh, relay. And you need to make sure that the host, the guest and the listener crosses the finish line at the same time. And I think it's pacing yourself as a host and pacing yourself as the guest and calling back to that listener and, and making sure that they're keeping up with you so you all cross the finish line together. Those are the skills that makes a good podcaster and a good podcast guest. It's just different applications and some different tips and tactics. Yeah, because I think we've all been in in podcasts where, where we we were the host and we would have a guest on and it just felt like they had things that they wanted to check off. Um, and, you know, I, I got to mention my book. I have all of these phrases. I'm going through this. I'm going through this. And they're sort of answering the questions, but they're pulling. It, it just felt like they're just using it. As, they're just using the platform just to deliver that. And it comes across that way. And, and, and then they'll go on four, five, six, seven other uh, podcasts. And they all are very, very, very similar. And so it, it really works against, I think, the guest where it's like, you may listen to 
somebody do uh, you know a podcast and go, I really like that. I'm going to hear them when they go on another show. And if you hear something different, then you're then you then you got a fan. Then you've got somebody that's going to follow you around, and, and that's um, that's a skill, like you said, that uh, really needs training. Right. And I think it's on the host to ask different questions because if somebody wants me to share a show, I want them to explore different aspects of me that wasn't uh, explored on other shows. And I think that has to do with the hosting and the questions. And if they ask me really good questions and bring out a different side of me that has been shared on other shows, that's what I'm going to share. But if somebody asks me the same questions over and over again, I'm like, well, I just, I just tweeted that out. I just shared that on Facebook. That was on my LinkedIn post from the show I did previous to yours. Why share it again? Mm. I agree. That's, yeah, that's a great point. And Mark, as as I guess with the Podcast Editor Academy, you're teaching people how to edit podcasts. Have you seen a rise, uh, you know, like especially now Amazon, uh, you know, has their own, you know, hosting a podcast through Amazon Music. There's a lot of people talking about, oh, but I want to do a video with my podcast. And... It's it's somewhat of a challenge, I think. I mean, Chris and I talk about this a lot because you got to remember that if you're actually doing a podcast and you're talking about things that maybe are visual, the podcast listener is not going to see that. Do you kind of coach them about that if they want to try to combine the two mediums? Well, for guests and podcasters, the people that are performing the interview, not editing it, we talk about how to use analogies and and colorful language and adjectives so people can feel what you're talking about. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm not a very emotional guy. My EQ is pretty low, probably lower than than, uh, your normal person. But I've learned how to talk on a podcast interview so that emotional people can follow what was going on with me internally, even though that's not my my natural language. So that's more of a role of the, the podcaster and the guest uh, not so much the editor. I do think there's things that the editor can do to enhance that by cutting out the um, er, ahs. So, you know, yeah, like for sure, 100%. All the things I just said that are filler words. And there's you're laughing because you've heard them all before. And I probably said a few earlier and we'll say some more as we continue on. But I think editors can do a lot to to cut out the the filler words uh, to in respect of the the listener's time because these shows are syndicated you know tens hundreds or thousands of times and if if you can save five minutes ten minutes out of a show I mean you've you saved the world hours and hours of horrible filler word content I tell you the the best way for for uh, at least for me I can't say for everyone but the best way uh, to get rid of the ums and the ahs and the you knows which I'm super famous for is to edit your own voice saying those words because it will drive you through a wall uh, doing that. I just said, uh. So it, it helps you, uh, you know, sort of go through all of that when you're editing it and, you, and eventually you're like, oh my gosh, this is, this is driving me crazy. As an editor, that helped me tremendously when I was doing my own podcast or showing up on other people's podcasts is, not just listening to yourself back because you don't always have time to do that. But when you're editing, you're listening to it over and over and over again. Sometimes 1.5, two times speed. But in any event, you still hear those ums and ahs. So. And if you want to have another solution, join Toastmasters because now every time my wife says so, I, I, I had to correct her last night. We were having a conversation. I said, do you realize how many times you said so in the last two minutes? I was like, I'm going to make you start going to Toastmasters. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Toastmasters is great for public speaking, for long monologues, but some of the tactics and tips that they teach you at Toastmasters doesn't make for a good conversational podcast interview. But you're right as far as the filler words. And I found, uh, Jim, you were talking about uh, you know, with your wife, I found that my filler words come a lot from my family. If I hop on the phone call with my, my mom and dad, I recognize the filler words that I thought I cut out of my language a, a few months ago and, and they're saying it often. And then you, you kind of fall right in step with that and start doing the same thing. So yeah, it's understanding where those filler words come from and then how you use them and why you use them. Yes. So Mark, who's your favorite podcast interviewer? Host. Eric Hundley. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, Yeah. I, I hopefully that was a good answer. I didn't know you were yes, asking that question. Uh, yeah, you know Eric. Yeah, I know I, Eric, and I, I know his podcast well. And the content is, is it you? You feel like his content super interesting as well, and and he he you know, he takes really um, great risks. I think in terms of what he, you know, the the guests that he has, and yeah, um, wow, that's um. I I would say it's a surprise, but not a surprise because he is great. Uh, but wow, okay, excellent. And and why would you say um, Eric's a a great host? He challenges his guests in a respectful way, and he also challenges the listener. I have been in that invisible third seat, and a good podcaster and a good podcast guest and interviewee will acknowledge. The, the third person, the, the empty seat, the, the, the silent listening seat, and bring them along in the journey. And I'll listen to one of Eric's uh, shows on Unstructured, and it really is unstructured, but it's so good. Uh, and I feel like I'm going through this mental thing. What's going to happen? What's going to, oh, I think I know what's going to happen. I think I'm learning something. And then at the end, as Eric is challenging his guests or challenging himself, he does it in such a way he also challenged the listener on their understanding. And, you know, there, there's been a number of times listening to, to Eric's show, like, wow, he has changed my opinion on something. How often does that happen on social media? Almost never. never. But never. on Eric's show, pretty frequently. Wow. So now I'm going to have to go subscribe to that. You've got me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he's got a great YouTube channel as well. Uh, we should we should throw that up on on the show. We'll definitely put it in the show notes afterwards. So. Um, wow. Excellent answer. That was, that was, I mean, you could have went like Howard Stern, you know, or whatever, but it's like, yeah, yeah you know, I feel like, bad. I feel bad, Chris, with as many podcasters I know that you didn't prep me with that question. And like, who's your favorite? <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess I got to be honest. Uh, Eric Hundley. So for everyone else, I apologize, but go listen to Eric. And now you know why. <laughs> well, so, so there's going to be a ton of podcasters that are like, he didn't say mine was the favorite. He told me Let's, Mine was the favorite. Everyone like, else, you're a close second. It, it's like your favorite kid, right? They're, you're all you're all my favorite. It just at yes. the moment, right? <laughs> well, I'm just mad that you didn't say me, Mark. So <laughs> again, close second, Chris. Close second. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so let's. Uh, we haven't talked yet about Podcast Atlanta, and Mark. Uh, I just got to thank you for putting that thing together, and for those of you who watching, listening, Podcast Atlanta. Let me see if I can get this right. It at least was when when Meetup was, uh, you know, a thing for physical meetups. And I know people have been trying to do that virtually, but I am not even sure where that's at right now. But when uh, physical meetings were a thing, Podcast Atlanta was the fastest growing meetup on meetup.com. Do I have that right? 
It was the fastest growing uh, podcast meetup on meetup.com in the world. And we were second largest in the world. Number one started in Florida over 10 years ago. We were about four years old and we were we were on their hills uh, before COVID. So January, we had 100 people. You know, you guys were there. Uh, February, we had about 100 people. And then March, I took a break because I, I did my own conference in Orlando. And then, of course, the world changed. So just a little, <laughs> just a little, just a little. Uh, but yeah, and and it's it's great to this is kind of a weird sort of full circle thing because we did have Audrey Belkerney on here um, a couple months ago as well. Who you know I went to her meetup at first, and she was like, you know, you you've got to meet Mark Deal, and he does podcast Atlanta. You've got to hook up with him, and so I was like, okay. And then the next one I went to, and of course I met you, and I also met this guy below me, Jim Fuse. And the rest is uh, the rest is history. So that's the way it's supposed to work, right? Uh, you know, you find good people, you you surround yourself, iron sharpening iron, the whole thing. So I just have to really just thank you, Mark, for putting that thing together. I know you're you're still it's still working on that. Of course, it's you know the way the world is right now. It's a little difficult to to do that. I know you you're doing you know things uh, remotely. Uh, as as much as you can and bringing people on and doing that. So um, it's just been it's just been a great experience for Jim and I. So thank you. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we all found each other through a local meetup. Podcasting, let's be honest, it's pretty lonely. A lot of us do remote recordings. And here we are. I mean, granted, this is the age of COVID, but let, even before then, many of us did remote re- interview recordings. We never really got together until we we had things like podcast Atlanta and everyone really enjoyed it and then the world changed so yeah. we'll we'll get back to some sense of normalcy eventually and i'm looking forward to that day got it got it cool well uh i know you've given us a bunch of stuff here that uh that you've purchased on amazon and and is a part of your uh uh, part of your workflow. And I was like, are you kidding me? I, this is like the, like, I'm going to learn along with everyone else here. Um, there's, there's some great things on here. I mean, obviously the headphones that, uh, that we have in the carousel, uh, those are, um, you know, well-known, um, headphones, uh, that, uh, it's funny. You pulled it out and I could hear my own voice. That's how good those headphones are. Sorry. Or how good that <laughs> microphone yeah. probably is. Um, the, yeah, the headphones, wonder. yeah, go ahead. Th- it's sorry. like x ray vision for your ears, honestly. And I usually don't use these when I'm doing a live video. I've got the much like you're wearing, Jim. I got the invisible behind the ears thing that, that work out well, even with my bald head. But again, these are like x ray vision for my ears. I can hear somebody like, Do you have a dog three houses over? Can you shut the door? Uh, and the people that are on the, the microphone from the they don't know, but. With these, I, I can hear, and and they're pretty comfy. That that's too funny. Yeah, those are, um, you know, Jim. I don't know if you if we want to share the screen on the, these are these are headphones. I remember went going into uh, recording studios. These were these are pretty much standard, um, you know, recording stu- uh, studio headphones. Uh, you know, the, not only are they um, less than a hundred dollars, uh, but they are like you said highly accurate too they're not it's not like you're going to get like extra bass in and the that those types of because i think for what you're doing for what i do i use um i have audio technica headphones as well that are like what you hear is what you get right you don't want extra stuff because when you're editing and you have extra stuff in your ears what ends up 
you know, being exported doesn't sound the right way uh, in the end, right? It's it flavors the mix. Yep. Right. And, and these don't. Yeah. And, and, and when you and I talked about that, Chris, I had never thought about that, right? That you don't always realize that the headphones you're listening to can impact you in the editing space because you're not really hearing the true sound. I think that's it's pretty fascinating, you know, as a as a you know both a podcaster and a listener to think like, oh, I I never thought about that, you know, because you do you want it's kind of like where they call it WYSIWYG, what you see is what you get, mm-hmm. kind of the same thing with uh, earphones, right? You want to hear what you're putting out because then you're like, oh gosh, I just wasted all this time. And it's not what I thought it was going to sound like. I mean, Mark, have you run into that a lot? I mean, how do you yes. coach folks in the Editor Academy about oh, that? Oh, I can, I can almost tell if I listen to somebody's show. I was like, do you have like beats by Dr. Dre that you're listening to when you mix this? Like, yeah, how can you tell? Like, because everyone sounds tinny. Uh, basically, they, they're they're playing with the mix, wearing these these bass heavy headphones. Meanwhile, the the rest of the world listening to in our car or earbuds or something, it all comes uh, across tinny. So yeah, you can almost I can listen to a show like wait a minute, you're not listening to you know big can flat curve flat uh, frequency pro- uh, reproduction type uh, type headphones. So it may seem like a lot, $100. Do you need this to podcast? No. Do you need this to be a podcast guest? No. If you are editing or remixing or remastering a show, do you need these or something like these? Yes, because it will give you accurate uh, reproduction while you're editing. And like I said, even while you're hosting, you can hear things that no one else can. Yeah, and I, I think you brought up another great point on these, Mark, and it's it's what I like about the audio technical ones that I have is comfort. It's important if you have a job uh, or you're you're on you know videos like this many hours during the day, or you're you're using them, and, or you just want to listen to music or or whatever. You've got them on for six, eight, however many hours a day. They've got to be comfortable, you know. And so these are extremely comfortable. I know you just replaced your ear pads right for for these headphones because you you've worn them so long you know of course you know it that that's a negligible expense when you and that's just a testament to how great the headphones are you're like i'm not going to use this opportunity to buy a different pair of headphones i'm going to replace the pads i want the headphones right yeah and, and you know it's a good set of headphones when you type in you know MDR7506 ear pads and there's tons of options on Amazon you can even get the right color that matches your brand if that's something for you but the fact that there's so many uh, ear cushion uh, replacements for these it's not a testament that the, these cushions are bad it's just that no one wants to get rid of these headphones once they have them <laughs> wow it's like it's like a nice pair of jeans, right? You you want to wear them forever. Tell your wife says there's too many holes in your certain area. <laughs> it sounds like the conversation I just had recently. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good deal. All right, so I there it is. I keep on saying good deal, and then earlier I said, uh, "So, Mark, is this your deal?" I mean. I just, I can't get away from never it. I use, I use the word deal so much, Mark. I'm just such a huge fan of yours. No worries, Chris. I, you know, I have, I have refrained from doing the, the stoned, uh, right. You know, think, uh, I'm sure you've heard those jokes frequently. So yeah, it, don't worry. It's not even hitting me. 
we we've all got those those joke names, you know, like me, you know, with being fused. It's like you know, don't blow a fuse, or yeah, got you know, this you get used got a to short it. fuse, yeah, right. You know. <laughs> I'll tell you what I found fascinating. Let's talk about Mark's computer world thing that he has created. This <laughs> I, I had no idea that for a hundred and fourteen dollars. I could start a computer because you know when back in the '90s, for those people that were alive, I used to play with computers, right? Because it it was like you could pull stuff out, put stuff in. So this reminds me of those days when, like, you would take the twenty-four-four modem and then put in the fifty-six-six card, and everybody's like, "Woohoo! We've got double dial-up speed now." So this is this is fascinating, Mark. I mean, tell us more. Yeah, this is the expensive version uh, because it's got like two mo- it, uh, two cables to run two 4K monitors. This is a, the Raspberry Pi 4. And uh, techno geeks already know about the Raspberry Pi. Uh, if you are somebody that likes to tinker around with computers or, or code, I'll warn you, this is more of a black hole than, than Clubhouse. Uh, the, the Raspberry Pi, you can do anything with. You could, I set it up to, to be a retro gaming station with like 8,000 games on it. I was setting it up for, to block the, the ads, internet ads for, for my kids and run a VPN server and a, um, a, a mirrored raid array. In fact, I, I just, uh, I, I bought a couple of them. Um, so I, I had one here and I, I've been really enjoying, this has been my COVID project. I'll grab it for, uh, to like, oh, I want to try a piece of code. I stick it on there. I'll reformat it. Like, can I get it to do the thing that uh, that I want it to do? But it's pretty powerful. Uh, gigabit Ethernet, uh, USB 3.0 and 2.0, two 4K. It can run two 4K monitors and like 30, uh, 30 frames per second, not 60. But hey, it's a Raspberry Pi and it, it runs off of uh, five volts, uh, I think three amps, super low power. And it's just... You can overclock these things if you want, or just run code really efficiently. We've all had some type of crazy COVID project, whether it's I'm going to refinish furniture or knock out the the honey to-do list. If my wife is watching this, I'll get to it eventually, sweetie, I promise. But this has been a, a ton of fun. This has been a ton of fun. So I guess, what are some practical uh, applications that someone could could use for this? Well, me being a podcaster, I was able to install Audacity, which is a program that you can use to record and edit a, a podcast. It's, it works on Windows, it works on Mac, and it, it runs on Linux, which this thing uh, runs on. So uh, a tiny little, uh, tiny little computer, uh, yeah, I was able to run uh, Audacity. And then... You mentioned Jim at the the top of the show. You're running a Sam uh, Samsung Q2U, great microphone. I plugged one of those up to the Raspberry Pi. It, it saw it, and I was able to record in Audacity, wow. and then open up a web browser and use a typical, uh, you know, web recording software. Uh, there's various different names, but yeah, you could have a a low power podcasting station off of a Raspberry Pi. Heck, a, a battery that you would plug up to this would be bigger than this little computer. Uh, it's been lots of fun. Now, can you actually, have you tried like daisy chaining it in a sense to like a, a Windows or Apple? Like, I mean, because I, I could see or maybe even with a switcher, you could possibly use this in conjunction with a switcher. Is that something you've tried yet? 
I, I have it, honestly, because you can. Yes, you can have a KVM switch, a keyboard video monitor switch and go from like your laptop to the, to the Raspberry Pi. But I have had this up in my, right, right now I'm in my recording studio, but I've had this up in uh, two floors above in what the kids have called the smart room and running a, uh, like a, a video game arcade thing with a bunch of old retro games from when I was a See, kid. Wow. That's what I would do it. That That's exactly what I would do is, is to do that. Cause yeah, those, those um, units that you see that you can buy the retro arcades that go up on your, uh, you know, people are it, that this is what's powering those things is, is the raspberry Pis. It possibly could be. Uh, now these could run up to like a PS one game. Now, if you want to play something like for, you know, PS two or, or like a really bit, uh, um, higher end game, You'd probably want some uh, some mini uh, computer board and graphics cards, but for like most games, and again, I am a gentleman of a certain age. I enjoy my Pac Man and Cubert, and uh, and a lot of games from the eighties and nineties. This will maybe some will Dig Dug or definitely uh, some Joust. Dug. How about some Joust Defender? Joust Defender Defender Two. I went the, in fact sorting the. I was playing a lot of Defenders and and uh, Mario games. Uh, you know, various Super Marios from various Nintendos. Uh, it's it's been lots of fun, but and that's the the gaming aspect. But I've also like, oh, can I get it to edit podcasts? Oh, I can. Can I get it to record? Oh, I can. Can I record uh, a remote interview over the uh, the web browser on this little thing? Wow, I I can do that. Uh, I can do that too. And then doing like the VPN and the tech fun stuff. It's it's just been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's tempting for me because you know I I in my upstairs office i have a mac and i run i do a lot of video a lot of video editing and when you do that it just it's a ram hog it takes you basically can't do much of anything else if you wanted to really crank and get done and 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 render and share and everything you need to do with with large hd video and so this is tempting for me to say, well, I have a bunch of other stuff and I can kind of integrate that in my workflow where I can go, okay, I'm going to let this thing cook. And instead of me like doing something or not doing something else, I can actually move to a, a small workstation to be able to, to crank out something somewhat efficiently. So yeah. it's, uh, it's something I can kind of multitask, so to speak. Oh, I see. Yeah, I wouldn't use this for like video editing. Uh, oh, I've no, got no, the... no. I would, yeah, I would use it uh, for other stuff. Let let do video editing while while my computer is like rendering the video and stuff. I would go to something like this and do something that was, uh, you know, wouldn't wouldn't be a video for sure. Right, exactly. I mean, if you wanted to set up like a portable podcasting thing, instead of having a laptop, you had a Raspberry Pi, you know, a Zoom PodTrack P4, and a pelican case and you show up to somebody's uh you know office or something and you've got your microphones there you could hook up to like you know big 48 inch 4k tvs to be your monitor or just have a little battery powered monitor at some point you're like oh let me just bring a laptop but yeah this (laughs) uh, (laughs) you could do a lot with this and and like i said they're they're a ton of fun there's so many people that are donating and contributing code that they've developed to to get these to do you know different things I, I was looking at making a a, a a night vision bird cam for a birdhouse there's all sorts of i'm telling you if uh if you want to look at for raspberry pi raspberry pi projects there's tons of them it's it's a black hole you'll fall into because i didn't <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, I could, I, yeah, I could definitely see where you could do that. Cause like I said, I used to play with this stuff all the time and then it just got to be too expensive to keep upgrading the computer. But this is like, I mean, you could buy how many of these for the cost of a, of a, like a high end laptop and probably come up with all kinds of crazy things. And I'm sure they're going to keep like, you know, like this, there's one in here, eight gigs of RAM, right? Imagine if you had 16. Right, you probably like wow. It's it's like you know Star Wars. And this kit is every. I mean, it's got two monitor cables. I'm only using one. It's got all sorts of parts that you probably don't need. Uh, and honestly, like I, I ended up buying a, a couple of Raspberry Pis. If you just want the board, uh, that's like thirty five, forty dollars. Uh, you know, all the extra little plastic pieces cost. Again, the kit's easy to get started. But this stuff is is super cheap, so you could have a, a four gig or maybe even an eight gig uh, single board on a computer, very thin, for like fifty bucks. It was uh, it was very affordable and fun. Yeah, well, and and I mean, if you think about it, when you ever get back to you know, quote unquote, being able to travel around, I, I actually don't disagree with your premises. Like, okay, I'll just put this in a in a Pelican case, right? That'd be even perfect, and I can take this with me. And I don't need a lot of power to run it. Uh, and then even what you were saying, like with the with the the camera stuff, that's in, that's intriguing, right? If you can maybe put this in something waterproof and have a way to power it. I mean, yeah, it got me got my brain spinning. You're you're gonna put me into that that, that Raspberry Pi black hole. That that's that's okay. Yep. I did have a question about um, the Raspberry Pi. Do you think it would be possible to run it to use an old iPad? And use that as a monitor with that. Have I? Because I I want to say that I've I've heard that somebody has used that. So you can somehow rig it into an to a uh, to an iPad and use that. Is that possible? Have you heard that? Possibly. Again, it would just take some quick googling to find out. Now I did find yeah. projects where people were using a Raspberry Pi for storage and putting like uh, terabytes of storage on a Raspberry Pi, and then were connecting their iPad to the Raspberry Pi to offload videos and things and perhaps they even uh well this this use case was with an ipad but maybe even with a you know now with the iphone 12 pro and all those super whamadine cameras well they're going to eat storage if you're recording uh you know really high def hdr videos but they came up with a method like oh here's how you offload it into a raspberry pi i mean i wouldn't edit on it but it's great for storage um so yeah it, it really all depends it's I guess the last word I have on Windows versus PC versus Linux, it's almost the same as I tell editors that work in Audacity or Audition or Pro Tools or Reaper or Hindenburg, all those programs. You know, it's not so much that one is better than the other. It's use, learn to use whatever tool you're going to use well, right. uh, vice hopping well, to something else. Yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. I, I whole like I use Logic Pro X, and the the reason why I use Logic is because I used it for music for years. You know, GarageBand before that, and then you graduate up. It's like I, you know, and then I've tried, you know, and played around with Hindenburg. Play, I I know enough to be dangerous with uh, with Audacity. I've used Audition and all of those, but uh, you know, you got to have one that you master, so to speak, so that when you're cranking it out and you need to, you know, crank out. 12 podcasts in a short amount of time or whatever, uh, editing wise, 
you, you can't use six different programs. You got to use the one that you feel like is the best for you. But yeah, I'm the same way. It's like, listen, if you're, if you're in if Reaper is your jam and you know how to use it really well. Awesome. It doesn't mean that a podcast edited in Reaper is going to sound better than one that's uh, edited in audacity. It has to do with, with the user really. That's absolutely right. And, and Mark, you know, your, your microphone is, Really sounds good. I, I mean, and it's one of those things. It kind of is that whole. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it the the battle of you know, do you use a shotgun mic or not? And and it, you obviously have been using this for a while. I mean, uh, what are what are your thoughts on that? Well, I started using this microphone about five six years ago, and other podcasters told me I was doing it wrong because uh, apparently there's a right way and a wrong way to podcast. I, I should not be using a shotgun microphone. But then you look over at the the voice artists. They were all using shotgun microphones. Uh, so I wanted to have a microphone that I could consistently use on a podcast and a video stream, a live stream like this, to where it wasn't blocking my face. I didn't want to go to a shotgun for one or a lapel for one and then uh, like a, a really nice microphone that's a couple inches from from my face uh, on on a podcast. So I ended up picking up this. Yeah, as you saw, it's it's pretty cheap when it comes to shotgun microphones. $170, that's about as cheap as you can get a shotgun. Mike, yeah. but I never really felt the need to to upgrade. I mean, I have other gear as well, but this this microphone has treated me well. There's been a few times I wanted to get something else, but I'm like, ah, this one works out well. I will say anyone that wants to get a shotgun microphone for live streaming or podcast to to learn how to use it because it's very sensitive. You gotta have to be right in the sweet spot or else it sounds horrible. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's that's a great point. I mean, I think that's always the challenge, right? If you're gonna switch things up, you know, you, you got to make sure you try it out first. Like if I were to go buy that and like tomorrow I'm going live and all of a sudden I'm like, well, that's what you get for not really checking it out. And, you know, Chris and I always talk about too, it, you're going to sound different with different microphones. I mean, uh, I've had this Samsung Q2U now for probably over a year and uh, I love it. And it's like, it was a $70 mic. Do I really want to go and buy something that's three or $400 if uh, you know, everyone says my audio sounds fine. Um, you know, maybe I could buy some lights or go buy a couple Raspberry Pis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my thing on microphones as well as cameras is, uh, you know, if if your room it doesn't have any sound treatment, if you have a one dollar room and a thousand dollar mic, you're going to have a one dollar recording. If you've got, you know, $1 lighting and a $1,000 camera, you're going to have a $1 video. So work on other things. Obviously, as you've done, Jim, because your Q2U, really easy mic, really inexpensive mic, sounds great because you have figured out the other things that uh, affect sound quality. I mean, for example, your mic technique is spot on. You're not Thank you. puffing the peas right in the <laughs> mic. And I'm doing that just for effect, but you right. obviously aren't. But, uh, but trust me, with the sounds not below you, I'd hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. And, and a lot of people, when they say to you, to me, like, what's, um, you know, they'll, they'll ask me all the time about what's the best microphone or, or and you, you get it, I'm sure, Mark, all the time as well, or, or what's the best way to record all that stuff. And I say, you start with mic technique. You start, don't talk directly into or speak directly into the microphone because that those plosives come out of your mouth and push air into your microphone. 
And if you did it on your mic, well, you, you just did it on your microphone, but it's a condenser mic, right? And so those are made to, um, you know, people would say, and probably the people that told you that you shouldn't be getting that for podcasting, you know, they, those are all used in, you know, for like cymbals and drums, right? And, you know, picking up room noise and, and doing all that. But if you use it in the right way, like you're using and you're aiming it in the right way uh, from wherever you're at, um, you used it effectively because like, you're like, okay, I want something that sounds really good, but I don't want it in front of my face. I, I just, you know, and so you found a way to directionally, you know, have a microphone and get the best sound. You didn't spend, you know, 400 hours for a sure SM7B. You didn't need to, um, nothing against that mic. I think they're great mics, but if you don't need it, why, why, you know, re-up, use it for something else. Like, yeah, do you think have of the lighting it? you could buy with that money, right? I mean, or even, even you know, buying some in-ear monitors like we've talked about, right? There's so many things you could do as opposed to like, oh, I'm going to get this, you know, because really, how is that change in microphone going to, I, I like to say, move the needle, right? I, I mean, is it really going to make that big a difference? I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, a lot of things I could think about spending that money on. I mean, heck, we talked about it, Chris, you know, just the other day. We had a had a guest on the Tim and Jim show last week. And it's like, if anything, I want to improve my studio, right? I can, you know, maybe put some uh, board on one of my walls and now I can have multiple angles with uh, cameras and things. I don't need a new microphone. But this is this is a definitely... Uh, I, I, I like that. It's got me intrigued again, Mark. I don't know. I'm going to end up spending a lot of money on Amazon because of you, but it's all right. <laughs> and again, this uh, shotgun microphones uh, can easily hit a thousand dollars. Movie theaters here in Atlanta uh, have great, great mic- uh, shotgun microphones for shooting movies. I'm not using one of those. I just have this, you know, less than $200 microphone and, and I like it. Do you have it going into uh, any particular interface? I used to have it going into my DBX286S, and I love it. It's like Photoshop for your voice. However, for this interview, I, I'm not using it because I'm in the the process of rearranging my studio. Uh, and like I said, I love it. It's like Photoshop for your voice. You can set up the noise gate, the compression, uh, certain frequencies, DSing, for example. And forgive me for anyone that is about to listen to what I'm going to say. Superman swims in his super swimming pool. Now, with my voice and those S's, it really doesn't come off that well, especially with a condenser microphone. But when I patch and I'm pointing it over to even though the lights aren't flashing, my DBX286S, also available on Amazon, <laughs> does a great job with any microphone. It's powerful enough to, to power a Shure SM7B, which is a very power-hungry microphone. Yet, uh, there's enough configuration to make a shotgun condenser sound sweet as butter. So I, I like to have my voice sound as good while recording, vice trying to fix it in post. So like, live streams like this, it sounds consistent. That being said, it's currently unplugged, so it's not doing me any good <laughs> as I'm moving stuff around. And then, yeah, it goes into an interface, which really doesn't do much other than turn the the audio into uh, to a digital signal for my computer to understand. Right. Most of the the magic happens with the the piece of equipment that's not plugged up right now. 
We'll be sure to put that uh, in the carousel after the fact. But yeah, that's a rack mount. That that thing's been uh, that that thing's like uh, not a new piece of gear, but it's it's uh, that that DBX. But it is uh, just a fantastic, like you said, it's it's a bit of a Swiss Army knife in terms of what you can do um, to to the signal before you're you know sending it in and and digitizing it there. It is. It's been around for over a decade. I kind of hate the fact that it's a rack mount. I even built, uh, I have a standing desk that I built and I built my own little mount for it. Uh, and it's just, it's clunky, but it works so well. And I hate the fact that I, I then have to run it through another interface to get that analog signal into a digital signal. I really wish they would update it and make it something that fits on a desk and, and, Digital signals come out, but they haven't, and it works so well. Maybe they're like, "Well, why fix something that's not broken?" Right, and, yeah. and you know that that's a great point, Mark. I think that's what happens too. A lot of times with us as a whether it's podcasters or live streamers, like you want to you want to get something just because it's like it's the shiny object, and if it's not broken, why fix it? You know, I, I think uh, you know, just like you said, you've had this mic for for several years. I, I can't see any reason why I would upgrade my microphone. If anything, I might upgrade my camera. But then I, I love the analogy of like, you know, $1,000 camera, $1 light, you got a $1 camera. So you really got to think these things through. And I think, uh, you know, just just great, uh, great pearls of wisdom. Thanks. Welcome, Jim. Mark, I can't tell you how much we appreciate you coming by. This has been, uh, you know, one of our better shows in terms of like, just, I, I mean, the Raspberry Pi stuff alone. I mean, come on. Um, that's, uh, I mean, first time, I, I, I would venture to guess, Jim, that no other Amazon live streams have talked about Raspberry Pi for. Right? This is it. This, I, I bet you that uh, we, we, uh, we, we broke the levy there. That is it. This is the first time, uh, first time that's been done on Amazon Live. But, I mean, awesome. <laughs> Seriously, um, it, it, well, I, I mean, you and I were about to first defender. Like, when he said this, he's like, "Raspberry Pi is like, are we selling food? I mean, <laughs> what what is this?" <laughs> and, and Amazon has all sorts of fun little cases that people have made. Uh, there's all sorts of, yeah. I'm telling you, it's a black hole you'll fall down. But Jim, it sounds like you were an IT guy back in the day, much like I was, and the ability to just have a computer that fits in your hand that you can just start playing code on and playing games yeah. and whatever. It's a, uh, it's lots of fun. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of miss those days. This might, you know, like you said, might give me another hobby. Like I need that. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. It was a perfect COVID project. <laughs> so Mark, if, uh, for our, uh, for our uh, viewers and listeners who want to connect with you and, you know, perhaps are interested in Podcast Editors Academy or Podcast Guest Academy, where can, uh, where can they connect with you? Well, if you're an editor and want to learn more about editing and then grow your editing business, how to find clients and keep clients and raise your rates and get more clients, head over to podcasteditoracademy.com. And that's where we... We teach people how to run their podcast editing business. And for others that want to grow their business, perhaps their book brand or business, and they want to do those through podcast interviews, then my website for that is Podcast Guest Academy. That's where we show you how to find the best podcast for you and your message, how to reach out to those podcasters in a way that actually gets you booked, how to perform them well, 
And that's where we spend a lot of time and focus because other resources really don't talk about how to perform interviews well. And then leverage them for your book, brand, or business. That's over at podcastguestacademy.com. And if you're a podcaster uh, local to Metro Atlanta, check us out at uh, Podcast Atlanta. We're on Meetup. Our website is podatl.com or just type in Podcast Atlanta in Google. Google will treat you right and bring you straight to us. We did have monthly meetings um, back when we could do such things. And uh, now we're not so much. Uh, but when the world turns back to normal, uh, I know I am, as well as my sponsors, are looking forward to uh, to hosting events once again. And we can't awesome. wait to attend. I know I'm looking forward to getting back out there, you know, uh, whenever whenever it makes sense. We'll, we'll be there, Mark, with, with bells on. Excellent. Excellent. Why well, I look yeah. forward to having you there, Jim. So once again, it's Podcast Editor Academy. It's Podcast Guest Academy. And it's, is it PodATL? Is that? PodATL.com is the, the website. And for editor, you could type in editors, plural. That'll send you to us as well. We, we have all the domains. Uh, whenever they're singular uh, and plural, we make sure to register all of them and just send you to one website. Because who knows? <laughs> and you know what we should do is Raspberry Pi Academy. I think I think that's the next one. I think that's called YouTube. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mark, thanks again. We appreciate your time and and your knowledge and your wisdom. It's been um, it's been fantastic. So thanks uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks again, everyone. Thanks for listening to Dealcasters. Congratulations, you've taken another step forward in your content creation journey. Please don't forget to hit the subscribe or follow button here in your favorite podcast player so you can be reminded every time we drop an episode. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. And if you're wanting to watch our shows live on Amazon, feel free to follow Dealcasters Live as well at dealcasters.live. Follow us on Twitter or subscribe to our YouTube channel where we also included added content that you cannot find anywhere else. If you have questions about this episode or have something you want us to review, you can also email us at dealcasters at dealcasters.live. Thanks again for listening, and you know the deal. Don't fear the gear.